Welcome to Pod Clubhouse's coverage of Yellowstone Season 2. This is the season finale today. We are talking about Sins of the Father, which is a huge episode. I always love series finales because they're always a big deal. But what did you think of this finale for Yellowstone? For Yellowstone, this was like on par with how the, the series opened way back in Season 1, Episode 1, where we got this extended episode with the, this big cattle battle, killing off a main character. But this, mm. this they packed a ton into one hour and just left us with just so many questions is like, mostly is Tate going to be okay? Right. I just, I, I, I cried. I cried at this one. You did. I did. The whole scene with Rip and just the letter and just how all of the things that he's been feeling all season leading up to this moment where he was the foreman, he was demoted, he was in the bunkhouse, and then he was, you know, moved all around and just made to feel literally like a hired hand for most of it. I, I feel like this was really good redemption for him, although I do have a problem with how it was handled. And we'll talk about that. Like, I felt John was just being really manipulative, even though it was like a very tender, fine moment. I yeah. still feel I still felt the hand of John Dutton, you know, manipulating the situation. Yes. But um, overall, like I, I felt like this was just a blockbuster. Like if you had made this a movie. Like a one and a half hour, you know, feature film, action packed. Like I would have paid, you know, the fifteen seventy five or whatever. You know, I don't even know what a movie ticket goes for these days. <laughs> the movie theaters only just open today in really? New York. Yeah, but I would have paid money for this type of a blockbuster event. I mean, let's just go back to like last episode. There was a trailer that was blown up, right? You yeah. know, Jimmy won his his belt buckle. Monica had this encounter with the shoplifting. You know that that whole you know scene of just humiliation, and if that had been the season cliffhanger mm-hmm. i would have been okay with that especially with like the end of where tate was abducted like that is a very natural cliffhanger for an end of a season so for them to resolve that in the yeah. in this episode i was really surprised that we got like all these like neat little storylines just I, i'm sorry i'm failing with words but we got all these <laughs> neat little storylines really buttoned up yeah and it's almost like finalist if I didn't know better, I would have said that they weren't sure that they were getting renewed for season three right. and they were just tying up loose ends, but they were already renewed for season three when this happened. So so what did you think? That's kind of my thought on it in the same way, but I was a little bit disappointed because as a season finale, I wanted episode nine. I wanted the cliffhanger and the I don't know what's going to happen and like how many more days till till the next season comes out. So (laughs) you're right though. Like if it were a movie, I would have appreciated this ending of like, we, we, we don't know what happens to the characters next, but we could have, um, you know, guessed or, or we could have sort of seen how things were resolved. Um, and sort of seeing a future for these characters. But as a season finale, knowing that there, I mean, like you said, they knew there was already a season three. Like I wanted the cliffhangers and the explosions and the, I mean, it was still a great episode, very Yellowstone, very on par with what we need from Yellowstone. But I like the like gasping, like edge of my seat. I don't know how many more days I could take till you tell me what happens next as a finale. Like that's, I mean, I think that goes back to my Grey's Anatomy days. Like, every season finale was like that. Like, dun-dun-dun! Like, every single finale, you don't know who survived, who, like, who's going to be next season. So, um, I do... There's not a lot left to the imagination of, like, what needs to get wrapped up. Exactly. Like, what... Like, I left this episode feeling like, well, what's... We, like, we... I have zero clue as to what would happen next season. 
Right. Like, how would season three open up based on zero idea based on what I know today? Right. So the only thing that I think I've got, like, kind of hanging out there, like unanswered in my mind is the the question of this article that Jamie, Mm -hmm. you know, that's been looming since a season and a third at this point. So there's that that's kind of looming out there. The Christina pregnancy. Right. The mythical or real pregnancy of Christina. I don't know. You know, Beth kind of made some some allusions to the fact that the last couple of days events are going to cause them to lose the ranch. So there's always that. But yeah, it sets the scene, I think, for a really fresh. Yeah, it's like wide open to anything could happen. Yeah. Right. So. So, yeah. And we talked about this at the end of last episode where like if that had been where they left us, we would have been. A okay, you know, yeah. be like okay. So now it's three hundred and fifty days until <laughs> until <laughs> right. the season premiere, you know, of of Yellowstone. So yeah, but I like I said, like I appreciated the the need to resolve the story. I don't know yeah. what what the setup is for season three, but I guess they felt that they didn't have the time or the luxury of wasting. I'm not going to say wasting because like that's not the right because you do have to resolve this this story arc um right. you know, to have a 10 year old abducted and and be a john dutton's grandson you can't leave that unresolved so maybe the plan for season three is so big that they couldn't yeah spend the you know the hour because right like they I, don't want to spend any more time on this storyline right that they just right. wanted to wrap it up that's my only you know sort of feeling that that's why they did that <laughs> and and but like i said they, they were they were renewed quite early because they had like the biggest season premiere yes. for cable TV uh, with the season two pr- season premiere. And their ratings all through the summer of 2019 were just like top of the charts for every single week. So, right. yeah, like getting canceled was not an issue. Right. Um, but can you imagine yeah. for just half a second if this like if if we had just, you know, this was the end of Yellowstone, like what a blockbuster way to go out. Right. But thankfully, we had season three to. Yes. keep us company and and that was a gasp worthy season finale that will that will give you because no spoilers at this point yeah that was a season finale like i just described like i yes. cannot wait to see what happens right. next right. like it's, um, it's the beginning of march we're not that far from june <laughs> i know the countdown begins at this point because yeah, now you and i have just finished watching every episode of yellowstone there is yes and podcasting about it so we are anxiously awaiting season four. But yeah, this was a great episode. I did love it, but I like finales with a bit more surprise. Yeah, well, pondering at the end, be like, okay, like, yeah, you didn't have to spend a ton of time wondering, like, okay, like, Beth's okay from her injuries, right? So, yeah, and, you know, so there wasn't a lot to, you know, we, we're going to mourn Dan. We're going to pour one out for Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but other than that, yeah, I mean, it, it wrapped itself up quite nicely. Yeah. But um, yeah, For as sure. a season finale, it definitely did not hit all the boxes in terms of what we're what we've become accustomed to. Right, but exactly on its face as just an episode, dang, yeah, great dang. episode. Yeah, it was really great. I know. I mean, we open up with the emotions first thing with yeah. John oh. and his dad. Oh my dying. god. So, so the actor that they got to play him, I don't know, do you know him? His name is Dabney Coleman. I Googled him and it's like, I'm familiar with things he's been in, but I couldn't place him. It was hard of... for me to place him, but there was something about his voice that mm-hmm. brought me, brought me, it was like, I know that voice from somewhere. And so he's been in, I mean, his, his career is, is quite extensive. Yeah, he was in um, a lot. I, I know him from, I'm going to, I'm going to age myself here. I know him from nine to five, the movie with Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. He plays yeah. the, uh, the horrendous boss. And I know him from war games with Matthew Broderick from like 1983. <laughs> Um, so those are the those are the movies that I know him from. I have um, seen both of those movies, but a long time ago. Yeah. So, but he's been in like 178. He's got 178 acting credits to his name. Wow. Um, yeah. He's uh, he was born in 1932 in Austin, Tejas. Yeah. Yeah. He's a Texan. So, but uh, yeah. He so he's venerated and uh, <laughs> p- picked to play John Dutton's dad. So. And what did you think of Kevin Costner with the mustache? <laughs> What's funny? He's so cute. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was very Penny from Happy Endings. I know. So cute. 
Yeah. I've only used it like twice this season. <laughs> we, we quote random TV shows here. Yeah. Uh, okay, back to the seriousness of the moment, though. Yeah, this is a very, it was very moving. Definitely drawing out the, the emotions, the tears. I enjoyed it. I feel like that's how people should go. I know it sounds weird, but like doing something you love and being in a place that you love and not laying in a hospital bed if you could help it. I mean, that's exactly what I would want is to be taken care of like that. And that, like that's a very dignified you know, sort of end for him, I think. I was interested in what he was saying, though. I mean, I thought it was cute that he was, you know, talking about John as a kid. And, you know, he he thought that he was cunning enough to get away with stealing a cookie, but not knowing that everybody knew he did it every night. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learned that John had a brother who yeah. at this point has died, um, which just makes me question how, just based on all of the things that we know about Yellowstone and how detrimental it is to work for this ranch and all of the uh the work hazards right that they have to go through mm-hmm. so yeah it just was because there's never been a mention of any of john's family other than evelyn his wife right so here we learn that both his mother and brother have passed so the only other thing about daddy that i wanted to ask you about is that he warns john not to let him let them take it from him mm-hmm. so just as a a a, a generalized warning this doesn't like bode well for just how the history of this ranch. And they've alluded to it a bunch of times, but now it's just yeah. a little bit different for me hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. You know, someone who's, you know, a generation older and possibly have, you know, so this person weathered like World War II, you know, um, the McCarthyism. Like there's just a lot of time and economic ups and downs that I'm thinking of. Like the seventies were really bad that I just can't imagine like the types of enemies that this man faced as opposed to the ones that John is facing now. But it's just been a struggle from day one, it sounds like. And now, like now that we've also just a couple episodes ago gotten the notice that they're going back in time to the start of the Duttons, it just makes me all the more intrigued. Well, it's like Casey said, you know, to Monica once he's, you know, he didn't really believe when his dad would tell him that all these people are trying to take the ranch. So, you know, it's like maybe Casey doesn't know the past that it's been what's happening to his grandfather and probably his grandfather before that. Yeah. So bringing our story back to present day, we cut over to Dan, poor Dan Jenkins and his untimely death. Yeah, I said it, I said it in the intro. We're gonna pour one out for Dan here. Oh no, um, this guy. I felt bad for him in the sense that he thought he was in the clear. Like, I mean, not that he was in the clear because he was shot apparently in a very vital place. He was like, I think it was like his his abdomen. It looked like possibly his chest too. I don't know. He was wearing a dark shirt. It was kind of hard to tell. But I just felt bad when he didn't anticipate like the third man coming up from the porch. Yeah. It was like this moment. You've seen Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. You know, like when the three velociraptors are like out there and the, the, Mm -hmm. like the safari guy, he's out there and he's like, oh, clever girl. Like he didn't see the third point of the triangle triangulating on this position. So I just, I felt bad. I thought he was in the clear. He thought he was in the clear. I just immediately was like, why would you hide in the pantry? Like, that's so dumb. As in, if you're going to try to defend yourself and survive, like, don't lock yourself in a room that you can't escape. But then, like you said, there were more guys. So I'm thinking he, uh, like, the more I thought through it, like, logistically, like, he didn't really have a whole lot of options. But, and he had a revolver, which only has, like, five rounds. So he's pretty much out of luck at that point um, with the third guy. But then he grabbed the hitman's gun. So I was thinking... Like, what are you going to do from now? But he had sort of found a way out of that first situation, but didn't really anticipate the next situation. Right. Yeah. And then what did you think about what he was saying at the end when he was just laying there dying, that he had a right to be here? This is America. What was your take on that? I'm trying to decide because that's a theme throughout this whole season with Dan and with Rainwater and even John of like who has a right to be here and, and who doesn't. But I think in present day, he's right. Like he, like who can say, I mean, it's free market. Like he can buy whatever land he wants to buy. He had the money he paid, you know? So yeah. Why couldn't he be there? And it really is with Dan G because they just didn't like him because because of what? Because he's from California. 
<laughs> no, yeah, basically, kidding, that he was an outsider. That he, just, yeah, he I wasn't, mean, you know, he wasn't seen as one of them. It was an us against them kind of a situation with him. All but I don't along. feel like he, yeah, he wasn't really doing all that much to them other than building right next to the Yellowstone, but that's not John's property at the end of the day. So I think he's kind of right. Like he, he does have a right to be there. Like he wasn't doing anything to anybody else. Right. To start, he, to start this thing. Right. You know? He bought the land and he cultivated it the way that he needed to into his club. And the Becks just needed to expand on their turf. And yeah. he, he literally got just caught in the crosshairs every, at every turn. That he wasn't native to Montana gave other people the right to impinge on his his yeah. right to business, right? His right to do business. Because like you said, he bought land that was available. Right. And you do know anything illegal to get there. So And you know, I mean way back in season one when John moved the river on him. It was just because John didn't like the fact that he was setting up shop next to him and what the yeah. implications could be for just the area around. You know, so I, I mean I I feel I I mean I did feel bad for Dan in this moment because obviously nobody deserves to go out like that because with him, this was business. Like, yeah, it, like it, he was just trying to do else, business. Everybody else made it personal. Yes. To the point that he had to get the most useless bodyguard in America. Mm. <laughs> Poor, I know, right? Poor Tori. I know. Um, but well, yeah. it's like when a business moves in next door that you don't like, you show up at the planning and zoning committee meeting once a month and you file a complaint. Like, you don't shoot the people. Like... So, I mean, right. He sent his family away episodes ago. Yeah. To protect them. So it's, it's, it is sort of a little bit like he didn't deserve all this. Like he was just trying to do business. Like, I mean, I think hiring three hitmen to go after Dan Jenkins is a bit excessive. I mean, he was already in the poorhouse. They already took everything he had. So what, like, why, why kill him? Yeah, I think it was really just to drive home a point. Yeah, it was. It was just like, there was no need for that share with that show of force other than to right. be like we can do it right and i think i've been saying with the becks it's like just a temper tantrum with them like they're just pissed that he's not on their side like yeah it's a little bit of an overreaction on their part but that seems to be their mo so i did As like we see later in the episode yeah so I, I mean i did like the fact that they did give us sort of a rationale for their behavior um, in the conversation. We'll get, and we'll get to it with the uh, Teal and Casey. Yes, um, I did. I, I was like, yes, I, that's what I would, I've been needing for nine episodes. So yes, exactly. I thought the same thing. They wrapped up poor Dan Jenkins. He's, he's done. And then, you know, I have a question for you. Like, so then Donnie comes on the scene, right. And he's surveying the carnage. I'm trying to like read Donnie and he's, he's been such a, I don't know, I really don't have a better term, but like a wishy-washy character. Like he was John's friend. Now he's working with the Becks because the Becks have him over a barrel because of his gambling. And then, but he goes on TV and he exposes his officers as being negligent in that the the killing of that Luke Hayes boy way back when. Basically like reversing his position with the Becks and leaving, not letting John hang for what he easily could have hung for. I, I feel like Donnie surveying the carnage here is just like him, just like this could be me next if this all goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you think that that's why he went to John and he was willing to willing to work with John really on all of the things that John was asking him to do? And, and Donnie gives him this great idea about, you know, making it about the cattle. I mean, yeah, Donnie's got to protect himself at this point, too. So he's... He knows that John's not going to not do anything. So I think he's like, hey, like, let's be smart about this so that I don't get shot up, too. <laughs> like, he's picked the coattails that he's going to ride right now. Yeah, and he's exactly. switching. he's switching allegiances. Yeah. Because then is, part of me was like, is he going to, like, renege on this? And is he going to, like, backstab John? Because, you know, Yellowstone teaches us that you can't trust anybody. Yeah. <laughs> But, no, I didn't think. I, no, I didn't think he was going to renege or, or um, he had no choice. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to somehow screw over John. I thought he was like, okay, we're going to have to like figure this out. I'm going to try to help you the best I can. You know, he said he was going to try to keep it quiet, and then he was going to tell his men to stand down when the Duttons showed up. So, I think he was sort of doing the best he can to like side with John, but also. <laughs> 
try to get out of this situation alive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really his ultimate goal. Like he, he yeah. was looking at the cards on the table and he was just like, all right, the Duttons would be my way out of this because the Becks have gone to such an extreme and they just don't know how crazy this mofo is. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So is Donnie's whole reason for pulling Malcolm over is to make sure they're, who was in the car and who was at the house? Oh, yeah, 100%. That was surveillance. That was reconnaissance to figure out, you know, who's where and, you know, what the plan of attack would need to be. Because that really pissed off Malcolm. As And as Donnie said, he's like, you better help me out on this one or else he's going to kill me. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty risky on Donnie's part to agree to that, I think. By having Malcolm, like, pop the trunk. Like, Donnie was just mm-hmm. giving the the fact that he pulled him over a bit of credence. But I think 100% you are right that it was, where's Malcolm? Good. He's he's leaving the house? Great. So wherever he's going is going to be at least three hours round trip, right? Right. And then that would leave Teal because Teal's, you know, obviously not spotted at the office, blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. So let's switch over to the Duttons and talk about how they are handling the Becks. That's really what this entire episode was about. John was saying at the end of the last one, like, we're going to kill him. That's the plan. Kill him. (laughs) But but just how that comes about. (laughs) Yeah. Random side note. Did Jamie even need to be in this episode? (laughs) Because both of his lines were very unimportant. And like, as soon as he said, well, he's like talking about the Beck's motivation. And I, I really was like, what does that matter? And then John was like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter why they did it. They did it. So the only thing about this scene that really drove home the point, and I think Jamie just saying that it just gave the scene time to draw itself out. So the mm-hmm. fact that there was so much silence in this conversation between John and Beth and John and Jamie with John wanting to keep Beth clean of it. And then, you know, Tate's got to come home to something. There was so much silence Mm -hmm. And it was just making me feel so much more anxious for what was coming because John's being contemplative. He's not saying anything. So either the plan is that bad or he's not sure yet what he has to do. Right. And it just it really drove home the emotion for me. So but yeah, but other than like that, that's the only reason for Jamie to be there. (laughs) And poor Jamie. Yeah, I swear. And even John knows that this is going to be the end of them. So we mentioned earlier that Beth, you know, had said to Rip that this is going to be end of the ranch. John even says it, too, in this, this moment. And just the look on Casey's face after all of this silence has been building, like he looks like he's about to crack open. The only thing I could think of, too, is that he was there basically to like babysit Monica because it looked like everybody else was in the battle. Well, and Beth. Beth was with Monica. Yeah, Beth was with Monica. But I mean, Jamie had no dog in this race, you know, for as big an operation as it is. Jamie does know how to handle a rifle and um, obviously not on himself a couple episodes ago. But uh, I'm so mean. Cynical Sheila is back. Jeez. But, you know, he's been raised on a ranch, so he knows how like, how to you know, handle does, a gun. Yeah. So the fact that they didn't tap him for an armed gun is just another question mark as to Jamie's usefulness to the Duttons. That's true. Yeah. He's still not out of the doghouse yet, I guess, for, you know, I guess not. tattling on John. <laughs> so the fact that John is telling everybody and it's everyone is stating that this is the end of the Duttons, that's the reason why John changed the trust or the will or whatever it was he changed to include Rip. Is that what you think? I, yeah, so I watched this episode several times because, and I remember watching it initially back in 2019 when it came out, and I watched Mm -hmm. that part like over and over again. I was trying to figure out, you know, what, you know, what the lay of the land was. So, yes, I think the point of it was to add him to the trust. Beth had been made like the trustee, the executor, right? He told her like way back when that she was the executor. What? did John tell Rip or give Rip or change? Like it, it was still unclear to me, you know? So at a high level, what I think happened was that John decided that Rip has been loyal enough all these years that he's basically quote unquote adopting him into the family. That this is the way I'm reading it as a reward for his service and for, for allowing Casey to rise in the ranks that he needed to, and the pride that had to be swallowed in order to make that happen. And all of the work that Rip has done in order to make the ranch function, Mm -hmm. I think he said, I need to give him dad's house. Right. John Sr.'s house. So that's the house okay. that I took because it had been like. Depressed. I com- yeah, I was wondering whose house that was. Yeah. So I went back to the very beginning and like where John goes to 
you know, take him out into the out into the pasture. It looks like the same house to me. I mean, it was really? The, yeah. So, I, and I was trying to figure out like how many houses could they possibly have on this ranch? A lot available. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have the bunkhouse, they have the foreman's house, and they have. Right, this other cabin that just seemed to be like kind of left derelict for a long time. Well, they mentioned a trapper cabin. They've mentioned Lee's house. They've mentioned yeah. So I thought Lee's house was the foreman's cabin. I was yeah. I was kind of making the equation that the two of them were the same because like John moves in and he's like, "I'm just scooting your stuff over, son," um, in the closet. So yeah, but if it was the foreman's house, Rip would have been living there for a long time. With yeah, that's Lee's true. stuff in the closet. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so like, the point yeah, is, it's not, yeah. So maybe it was you Lee's and house. I we get caught up in these details. I'm like, wait. But either way, it seems to be a beloved property that they thought enough to keep, and John thought enough of Rip to give it to him. Like, so did he give him a house, or did he give him like is it an equal? Yeah. So, so this is where it got confusing for me, and and I think you and I might be on the same page with this confusion level. What exactly does that mean? Exactly. That he knows who loves him and he knows who's loyal and giving him the title, honorary title of son. Son. Does that give him all of the... Does it give him like equal share in the trust? Exactly. Because I, I was laughing at one point because I'm like, does he know that Beth isn't going to make an honest man out of him? So he has to like bring him into the family himself. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm so twisted. But um, this is what I wrote in my notes. I'm like, she's not going to make an honest man out of him. And um, yeah, so I wasn't sure what like all the like the rights and benefits and privileges that come with this entitlement now are because like he wouldn't leave everything to him. That's obviously not on the table because he has Beth and he has Casey and whatever he's done with Jamie. But he did switch out the trust to Beth way back when. That's that's already happened. So like, if if Jamie's off the off the payroll, and he's already like sort of been disowned, that's when he switched over to Beth to give her the rights to change everything. It's like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, though. Like that's still that level of manipulation from John. Is that there? Because that's kind of how it still seems. Like calling someone your son and seemingly changing the trust to include him, and so now Rip is what one of part of the family, right? Yeah. That's the way that I took it because he could give him a house outright without amending the trust. Correct. Okay, but then in the next very next minute, wait, wait, can we take a moment and just like do a collective sigh for what's about to happen? Right. <sighs> then the bottom drops out. So he won't let Casey. He doesn't want Casey to be involved because he needs Tate needs to come home. He doesn't want Jamie involved. He doesn't want Beth involved. He makes Rip his son and then sends him out to get killed first. Like, here, BR, uh, what do you call it? Armored tank. Only yeah. you don't have any armor. Right. Right. That's where I was like, this is, yeah. is this genuinely like how, like today you want to make him your son and then kill him in the same? I'm confused. Right. It's like, I'm going to elevate you to the position that you've sought after since you were 14 years old. On the very day that I'm basically going to manipulate your emotions to the point that you're going to want to go out and die for me. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, not going to I'm so not going to say it any up. plainer than that, because that's I, I actually wrote in my notes. What the fuck, John? Exactly. Like I, saying to Casey, I can't risk you, son. Right. Which she says a lot. But still, like in this moment, like those words were chosen carefully. It's literally on the heels of the moment that Beth reads this letter to Rip and Rip's emotion. Like, I yes. I mean, I, I'll i cry at things. I will. Like, if I'm invested, <laughs> I cried at this because, first of all, I didn't know the man had so many teeth when he smiles. <laughs> Second of all, he's alone. He's been alone his whole life, basically. This is the moment that he's he knows where he stands. Five minutes later, he's going to be like literally the PT boat going out to take all the shots so that everybody else can arrive safely. So I was not happy with John in this moment, but at the same time, like if you take a very clinical approach to him, John is acting like a general here and he knows that there's going to have to be casualties and who can he sacrifice? Right. And we're just up in arms because we've become so invested in these characters. But I mean, like these are the decisions, like when someone is going into war, like there is a group of people making these types of decisions and it sucks. You know, I know people who've been in the military and they served in different wars, um, you know, over the last 20 years or so. They said that there are decisions that to this day haunt them. 
because they know that they had to make a decision called like you're gonna live and you're gonna die and it's almost as arbitrary as that yeah but this doesn't feel arbitrary because like we have a name and a face and we we've become invested in him i just i just hated john in this moment but i can also understand where he's coming from it doesn't make it better though it makes it worse (laughs) i mean i remember watching this the first time like two years ago and just being so confused like why why would you do that why would you make him your son and then send him in as the first person to be like send ryan or send Send i'm sorry i love ryan and i love jimmy and but still send one of those guys like jimmy why are you gonna make him your son and then tell him to like draw fire for us what but this was the puppeteer the master puppeteer that john is Mm -hmm. doing exactly what he needs to do in saying if i pull this string Putting him in the trust, giving him the house, recognizing his position, elevating his position. I know he's going to volunteer to do this. Like it was, even when I say it out loud, it's just gross, gross, but It's it's a master tactician at work. But I am insanely, insanely glad that Thomas Rainwater sent Mo Brings Plenty Right. To the Tate battle. That whole scene with Rip and Mo and Jen Rip going out, just... Mm. I know. Like, if I wasn't already, like, my eyes were wet from, you know, him sitting on the steps with Beth. And, he, like, you read the part again where he calls me his son? Yeah. Ugh, daggers in the heart. And that, So, in that moment, I was remembering back to season one, episode one, where I'm like, yo, these writers killed off a major character in the first episode. Right. Like, he, he barely got an hour in and he was dead. I was like, they can't kill Rip. I remember this, like, they can't kill him because half of their viewership is going to be like, screw you, Taylor Sheridan. Screw you, John Linson. We're out. Yeah, right. You can't kill Rip. Like, Rip is invincible. I mean, we've already seen that he's already... Right. He's literally invincible. Like, three bullets being shot at him is, that's nothing. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. And he just laid in bed for a few days and now I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I know. I know. I like when he he painted protection on the horse. That was really cool. Yes. And I, I know Rip was looking at Mo going like, I don't know if I believe in this, but, you know, I will take this in this moment um, in order to, to draw the fire. And just when he looks up and, you know, says, I love you. And oh, he was invincible after that. Yeah. I just I really like that. Just with Mo bringing, like, the authenticity of, you know, like, the Native tradition and just, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, any port in a storm. Like, you know what? I-, I may not be very religious, but in that moment, I would take some prayers my way. Right. <laughs> and I don't care which, like, form or God or deity that they would come in. I'd be like, sure, I will. I'll take, I'll all, take it. I'll <laughs> take all the good vibes anybody wants to send me. Yeah, definitely. And then I just I just was on my the edge of my seat. And I was listening with headphones, too. So, I mean, it was really loud. Oh, gosh. But just how he, it, it seemed like like he was able to, like, navigate through this, you know, through all, like, the whiz of bullets all around. You know, him and his horse were, were just fine. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. a really, it was really well done in, in how it just, like, built the tension. And you were just like, yes, thank God. Thank God he, did, he didn't die in that because I would just been, oh, like, no. again, like, half the viewership going, <laughs> no. We have some more to talk about in this subject but um uh, we need to circle back to like the beck brothers but yeah we do but um the way that there was someone shot you know in this whole battle and and was it one of our guys like that was like you said on the edge of your seat like who was who was that what just happened so you know and you saw like one guy surrender from the um, militia or whatever Mm so it's kind of a head count at the end of it like who's still standing there right yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So we did get ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think I kind of, no, I think okay. I kind of went uh, off on my emotional tangent there with Rip. Well, because we were talking about John, and and because we started back at that conversation in the ranch house of you know Jamie and Beth staying and John and and you know this is going to be the end of us, and so there's this plan that we don't know. Right. So that's sort of how we got on our tangent. But right. we sort of circled back to Monica for a second. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad we got to see a bit of her. I, I wouldn't have wanted to hear much from her. I, I think what we saw was enough because yeah. we know she's distraught. We know she's not able uh, to course. function. But I think seeing too much of her would have watered down the message that she gave to KC. Like I wouldn't have really even wanted to explore the thought process of 
where I would be if that was my son. <laughs> like, I don't want to go there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. But I just like the fact that she was succinct enough in her statement to Casey saying, you know, you need to understand, I'm not going to face this world without him. Once you get him back, you just have to promise me that you're going to kill them. And it was just yeah. so simple and it was so punctuated. That's all the weight and gravity that you needed in that moment from her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I like the fact that it was, it was less than 30 seconds and it was... It was just so well delivered. Yeah. And like you said, we know she's distraught and we don't want to go there emotionally with her. No, I don't. <laughs> I really, really don't. I can't handle it. Um, so the first step is checking out Teal. Right. So even before that, so John does take Donnie's great advice of making this all about the cattle. Oh, yeah, yeah. And gets the warrant. And he gets the warrant. So this way, the, the, um, the entry onto the property is legal and and therefore Casey is justified in in being in the house and all of that so I was at least happy that they went the, the law route there right <laughs> and that Donnie's you know Donnie's plan was solid which you know shows that he's he's truly on John's side and the fact that later he was there for backup and all the rest of it but yeah so Casey gets the warrant and goes and and the the cousin Donnie's cousins are there and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if he really meant that they were his cousins or if he was just saying, like, like we're all, everybody here is cousins. Oh, no, I took that as literal, like, like they're my cousins, like, you know, you, you lucked out. I have a lot of cousins. I do, too. So every story I ever tell my friends, I'm like, well, my cousin said they're like, really? Are you talking about the same cousin or different? I'm like, no, like, that's no, a different cousin. Yeah. Like, like I, got, I got a lot of cousins. I got 35 first cousins. Yeah. It goes into the hundreds once we get into second cousins. Yeah. And then when they're married, it's like, well, that's my cousin too, technically, because they're married. Cousin-in-law is not really a a thing. It's not a term. But yeah, I got lots of those. So they're all his cousins. Yeah. Yeah. It's Montana. Like if you're you're there long enough, sure, you are cousins with just about everybody. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Um, Is there any less of a dignified way to go than how Tia went? No, that's really bad. So, like, do these guys live together? Like, uh, yeah, I, guess. I was getting the feeling that this was their house. I got the feeling that they had, like, they didn't necessarily live in that city full time. So this was like one of their houses, possibly, mm-hmm. and then they're just like chilling there for a while because they're on business, whatever city we're in. Yeah, Billings, I think they're. I think they operate yeah. out of Billings. Yeah, I just it felt like a like a vacation home type of feel. But I mean, that was a very nice house. Yeah, that's the same house that Beth's uh, assailants were returned to sender uh, delivery mm-hmm. back uh, a couple episodes ago. Casey asks Teal, like, where is my son? Yeah. And what did you think of the directions that Teal gave? Pretty accurate. I feel like, yeah. Like, like the house at the back of the lane. Like, Yeah, the, I mean, that's how. Crazies. I mean, like, I, I live in suburbia. You live in suburbia. Like, if you tell me, like, you know, go four blocks and then turn right and it's the second house on the left. I'd be like, okay, I might do it is it like am i block one is that then one two three four or is it like you know block one is the first one i come to then it's one two three four i feel like in the country those are accurate descriptions because that's sort of how some of my friends or family like that's how you get to their house is by like yeah (laughs) by like the um you know the fourth big tree with the one with the you know and it's like okay well there's no street lights so okay but now that we have gps it's much easier easier. but i remember like in high school it's like okay uh when you see the old red truck in the front yard it's the next street on the left like it literally literally is like that so on the way to my mom's house i mean my parents have a little bit of land there's this house that the the like driveway has a metal chicken like at the end of the driveway and i feel like that's why they put that there every time i drive by i'm like there's the house with the chicken so that they could say when you're like turn on the street and drive till you see the house with the chicken like that's why they have that there i'm sure <laughs> it must be why they have a metal chicken at the end of their driveway so yeah right, i feel that's like that's landmark <laughs> yeah those are uh, acceptable directions for sure yeah i think so <laughs> but you are right in the country that you know that's very acceptable like if you go you know go to the house with the, the blue the blue shutters at the corner yeah. because there's only one house on the mm-hmm. corner and you make them right. right there yeah so all right that's fair enough he got it. He he knew where they were. He knew what they were talking about. And then finally we get this, like we get their motivation. 
Yes. Or at least the reasoning why. Well, their motivation is that they wanted they wanted to increase their footprint. Like that. that the, Did he say the that? motivation. He didn't say that, but like that's what uh, I'm gleaning from everything that they've done. That they wanted to increase their footprint. They felt mm-hmm. that they were being marginalized, and then, but the why is that they knew that nobody would fight back. Exactly. Because they're. I mean, they're used to that. I mean, just in the the interaction with Donnie alone, right? So they they got the sheriff of the county to be on their payroll because he got himself into a gambling debt. Like, if you can mm-hmm. get like a top law enforcement agent like that to be like on your payroll to be on your side and feeding you information that's a big win yeah it makes them feel i guess that that you know everybody else is up for grabs yeah i mean even the sheriff is doing what you say so right and whoever the susan rawlings person if that's actually a real person from when malcolm was threatening beth whether or not it's true it might be an amalgamation of experiences that they've had but it was enough that beth was like yeah i've heard of her yeah you know so they're used to I guess exerting a certain level of pressure and people just cave. Yeah. And I, I, were they surprised then that the Duttons didn't back down and they just had to keep doing this one upmanship? Yeah. And this is where this got them. Like, that's just, that's just bad planning on their part. At some point, they needed to do like a risk assessment and be like, <laughs> risk assessment. you know, sit down and do a little, you know, risk, uh, risk analysis here and be like a SWOT analysis. Like, you know, what are our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, our threats? Right? Oh my gosh. And, you're hilarious. <laughs> and just be like, okay, when do we cut our losses? Like, this is no longer right? the cash cow. Like, I am bringing out all the economics, you know. Yes, you are. Here. Um, You've been in a lot of business meetings this week, I can tell oh, it's, it's, it's friday it's friday is really what it comes down yes. to yes um, my, my husband has had surgery this week my son my son is home quarantine had to go get a covid test for him oh it's been it's been a day and stephanie makes you podcast at 5 p.m on a friday sorry but no no friday <laughs> listen this, yeah this is the thing i was looking forward to all week i was like okay everything i've got to do this week but i have to be ready for yellowstone on friday people exactly that's how motivated i am it's our priority for we sure. Are dedicated, but yeah, this was not funny at all. But I mean, come on, yeah, this this poor guy that sucks. But it's just a very fitting end to somebody who is just as horrible a duo yeah. as Teal and Malcolm Beck is. Casey's just he's still so he he puts on the military hat, right, and he just becomes yes. a different person, and he's calm and he's collected, and and he's just able to still think what he needs to do in order to make this look. Right. Yeah. To fix yeah. to fix the scene, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes over here. But this way he had the warrant. Right. So he had the warrant. Yeah. Teal. Pat. And again, it's it's the Duttons and it's Montana. And we've already seen how loosey goosey the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the law enforcement and the uh, the ME's office is. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they missed all the bruises that would have been on Sarah's neck as she was kayaking down the river from being strangled first. Right. So, yeah, so I don't think anyone's going to do much of an investigation and be like, oh, he's he's in this position. And, and Casey's smart. He's smart yeah. in all the right ways tactically in order to know, like, the angles which with he would need to shoot from mm-hmm. the vantage point. So, yeah, so he's buttoned that up nice and neat, and he got the information that he needs. So off we go. Yeah. We're going on a trip. To the base of the crazies. It's crazy. <laughs> the crazy mountains, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's not go to the crazies. I don't want to yeah. go there. Yeah, but you know they they got to go get Tate. They're they're man horse because you know who's feeding the horse? Well, Rip is, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so Teal tells us to go to this militia house that's at the base of the crazies, and this is where we have that scene with Rip going first to draw the fire, and we talked about Mo and and all of that. So. We have like the whole Yellowstone crew, right? We got Casey and we saw John and Rip and I saw Ryan. I didn't know who else I saw, but oh, Agent they're all Steve there. Is there. Agent Steve. Oh, yeah. Agent Steve. <laughs> and uh, so they're all there in force to find, find Tate. But so we get into the house and it's like bunch of people Whoa, like, this is this? a weird house man they yeah. have this whole like basement set up with a camera and the nazi flag and ooh. Yeah. Was, yeah the flag like behind the yeah. guy sitting indian style like what is happening yeah they get nothing from this dude i mean he just shoots himself with this he's got this knowing look and it's just like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna sacrifice mm-hmm. myself but malcolm is there yeah how did that what i was confused like all of a sudden malcolm's there and all of a sudden he's shot in the field like that 
didn't. Yeah. So at first I didn't know who was running me. away. And, yeah. But John knew who it was and, and took him out right away. Well, didn't quite take him out. No. Um, injured him. Injured him. I just don't think that Malcolm would be hiding out in this like militia house. I don't. I, I don't, don't think he would get that close to the dirtiness. Yeah. Based on everything so, that we've seen of them so far is that they they hire people to do their dirty work. Right. Which is what happened. That's who they hired these people to get Tate, right? So why is he there? I'm confused. I know in, in his phone call when, when Donnie pulled him over and he called Teal and said, like, head to the whatever. He didn't say whatever name of the place he said to head to. It wasn't this same house. as. Or I didn't pick up on that it was. I thought he meant, like, go to a different house, like, one of our other houses or this hotel or whatever. Right, move him or something. Yeah, but I didn't think he meant he was going to be hiding out <laughs> in this militia house and for Teal to come meet him there. Like, right, I didn't think that he was going to physically be there himself either. Correct. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this man fleeing in the darkness, John John apparently knew who it was and, and took him out. And yeah. he's laying there screaming in pain and John... John is pretty surprising to me in this moment. Um, I don't know if if you'll agree with me. So John in this moment is both doing what I expect of him and doing something mm-hmm. very unexpected. I don't know. Did you do you know what I'm talking about? Did you catch it? Yeah, like kind. Yeah, kind of. It's like it's like he's being kind in a way. Right. At first, he's like, you know, get it all out, you son of a bitch. As you know, Malcolm is yeah. writhing on the ground um, from his. He's got several gunshot wounds, it looks like. Oh, uh, yeah. In some vital places in the front there, like abdomen and, you know, chest and stuff like that. And he's kind of spitting blood. So that's never a good sign. <laughs> but then, like, John flips and says, as if, as long as you tell me where my grandson is, I promise I'll get you to a hospital. Yeah, why would, I mean, he said earlier he's going to kill him. So why would he promise that? I mean, I know he still needs to get Tate and he's now doing everything he can because oh, he doesn't yeah. want the man to like expire before he gives the information. True. But did you believe John in that moment? I did. Yeah, I did, too. He seemed genuine that he would like help him out if you don't. Right. If you tell me, I'll do this. And I didn't I didn't have any other reason to be, not to believe him. Let's put it that way. Not to believe yeah. him. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I, was, yeah. I was hoping that I was going to be like, Sheila, you are so naive. Of course, yeah. he's just going to let him die, like step on his neck and help the blood gush out further. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <girl. laughs> Is that not something that John Dutton would do? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if not season four, it's not done yet. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But then, like, he sits down next to him on the grass. Yeah. I was just like, guard where down. is like, this going? Uh, yes. Like the let the guard down part, I was just not expecting and talks to him like almost like very like man to man. Like, yeah, I took this as a sign of humility that he was just like pleading, like in a way that John Dutton would would plead. Like he's never going to be like, please tell me, please tell me, please. He's mm-hmm. going to say your last 30 minutes or so are going to be, you know, visions of my grandson. And basically, right. like I'm giving you the opportunity to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like appealing to his. His better like nature, moral side, right? I guess. Yeah. yeah, like, like, sorry, you don't want to die like this, but you know, so tell me, and and I'll leave you alone. You can <laughs> die however die you want. Die in peace, or you know, I can get you to a hospital. It's your choice. What did you think when Malcolm said, "I wish we'd never met"? I laughed. Yeah. I laughed. I did too. I did too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I laughed because this was all Malcolm and Teal's doing, and I say Malcolm because I feel like he's definitely the brains behind the operation. Yeah, he was definitely driving that. And, you know, he was the one that was like upending desks and throwing things through television screens in his own office when things didn't go the way that he wanted. Like you said, like a big temper tantrum. Yeah. And meanwhile, all of this was because they didn't get their way early on and nobody wanted to play ball with them. So they just kept gnawing away at the chair leg until like the chair fell over on them. Yeah. And then I I was just very floored by that statement. I mean, I understand that, you know, he's dying and this was, well, I don't know. Is he dead? Yeah, of course. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, theories out there on the Facebook groups that like. For real? Oh, <laughs> when season three ended there. And so there's no spoil. I'm not going to give any spoilers for uh. season three. But there was a ton of chatter saying that, like, did Malcolm Beck really die? No. Did he come back? I'm like, the man was bleeding out and there was not. In a field, a like medical, hours away. Yeah, yeah, a medical person within 50 miles. So, yeah, so there was some chatter, but, you know, 
Because um, oh, not everybody who dies in Yellowstone actually dies. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah, <laughs> I do know what you mean. That's interesting. No, I just obviously assumed he died. Didn't even cross my mind that he survived. Yeah, but I don't think. I think it's a very. I don't think long he did. Shot um, that he survived. Yeah, for sure. But you know, John did try to do the honorable thing by him. I mean, even though he shot him, he did. <laughs> he did try to do the honorable what? thing. Wow, I'm just. Oh, I need a break. <laughs> yeah, this is... <laughs> I mean, but he did, right? I mean, he shot him. Uh, I mean, kind of. But you know, Malcolm had it coming. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm I'm not all that upset that Malcolm Beck met his end. Uh, he was no. a pretty horrendous dude, and uh, obviously, we've learned now that Tate was not in this house, right? Because so they he... searched it, they cleared it, and but Malcolm does give John the name of somebody else. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't. It didn't have any meaning to me. It was Carter Meads. No. It didn't mean anything yeah, to you know. either. Right. I was wondering if I missed something somewhere along the way. Nope. Didn't ring a bell. So. But it seemed close enough. Well, it was like daylight by the time they got there. But yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah yeah it was daylight. You're right. So I mean again it's Montana. So probably not everything is close by. <laughs> yeah. But, so they they gear up for this second home invasion. Right. Yeah. And so what did you think that they were going to find upon busting in? And especially when Donnie started screaming. Just upon entry, I had no idea. Like, I, I was assuming Tate was in there. I didn't know. Like, based on the house we saw before, I thought it would look similar with just posters and movie music, whatever was going on in that house, drugs, yeah, whatever. there was some, like, nasty white supremacist music being played there. Yeah, so, but when Donnie was like, you don't want to see this, you don't want to see this, like, what? Like, I don't, like, I had zero premonitions about what he was going to see right i was just holding my breath i remember holding my breath going like what does casey not want to see why wouldn't he be like he's in here like he's just sitting in a bathtub i would have been like come get him like why do you say you don't want to see this i guess the only thing that was really sort of sad i guess i wouldn't really call it disturbing but just sad to think about the is that he they shaved his head to to do what to make him look different or to to upset tate or whatever the reason like you know of course they've tate is in a state of shock and trauma but he didn't look harmed he didn't didn't look look harmed and you're like so your hair is is a big part of like your identity yes exactly you know, think about like any movie or anything that you've seen where like a woman like cuts her hair. Like, yeah, like, or the, when they hold you down and shave your head or whatever. Like, right. that's a ba- that's a very hard scene to watch in a show is when someone's having their hair cut against their will. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe the fact that he was locked in a bathroom and you know cowering in a bathtub, shaved, you know, his head shaved and just scared out of his mind yeah. is maybe not what Casey wanted to see. But you know, also who better than your father? Right. Maybe only your yeah. mother, right, to come in and rescue you. Yeah, I definitely thought that that Casey should have been the one to run. Like, I don't know why Donnie would have wanted to keep him out of there or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just was added to the drama of the situation, added right. to the anxiety of it. But yeah, poor Tate. I mean, he is so scared. Oh, he's screaming like an animal. I mean, I was so was upset. Terrible. I was so upset watching this scene. Oh my gosh. You know, the fact that he didn't he couldn't even see Casey. He was so scared and so terrified mm-hmm. because now you're hearing all these gunshots. Yeah. And you're in this situation. Not that he hasn't heard gunshots before, but he's in this situation, gunshots, there's men screaming, and it's just like he's terrified, and now he's even more terrified. Because somebody rushes in and grabs him. So it was really sad but also like really thankful just to see he's fine like i know he's not fine but he's fine you know right physically he's he's fine he's not harmed that way and i appreciated that sheriff donnie was having a trauma specialist on the way Mm -hmm. um that was making me feel slightly better Um, yeah and i was glad to take calm down enough to like allowed himself to be like cradled by Casey on the ride home. Yeah. Like falling asleep in the word. Yeah. That was like a good, a good sign for me. Sign. Yeah. A good sign. Correct. So I have a question. Beth sees John sobbing on the porch, Mm -hmm. right? Like obviously the emotion of all this has, has overcome him now that he learned that Tate is safe and, and Casey is safe and, and everyone basically that he sent out is, is mostly fine. And he starts to break down and this, First of all, I was surprised that they showed us this from him. Mm-hmm. And then Beth sees him and turns and walks away. What was yeah. your take on that? I think I'm glad we see John break down. We don't like certain parts of him. And we do like when we get to see him being 
genuine and loving towards his family. And we like when we see him with Tate. And so for him to break down, it's just sort of a, a good sign for him that he's, you know, feeling relief for his family. But I think as far as Beth goes, she doesn't have the emotional maturity or insight into her, her own to handle seeing your dad break down like this man that is so strong and so hard and rough and like to see him that emotional like I think she didn't want to handle those emotions within herself you know what that's a really good point because I was kind of at a loss I was like I watched it and I was just like where is she coming from but now I think what you've touched on just made me think of something she's still processing what happened to her maybe dealing with what John's emotions are is just too much for her to bear. Because again, like you said, she does not have that emotional intelligence or that emotional maturity to, to To be able to say the right thing. Yeah. To be able to say the right thing or even take on some of the grief that he's feeling. And it is, it's Mm -hmm. grief because like of all the things he could have lost. Yeah. Right. It's just, that's when you allow yourself, I don't know about you, but like I panic after the situation and that's when I'm just like, oh my God, all these things could have just happened. What ifs. Right. And then that's when I start to freak out. Whereas like in the moment I'm like, I joke around, I'm like, you want me there? You want me there in a crisis? Because I'm like, (laughs) I'm cynical, Sheila. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pull the plug. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. No, 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 no. No, I wouldn't do that. No, but um, you know, like some people, like they panic in a situation whereas um, I feel like Beth in this situation would, would not be of any use to John. So I like what yeah. you said. I like I like the way that you Like, that. I mean, have you ever... That's such a hard thing to see someone that you see as like a hard or a strong person to break down. It's really hard to watch someone yes. like that cry. And I'm the kind of person that like, I'm... I know this sounds weird, but I'm just going to say it. So like, say I'm visiting someone else's funeral on behalf of like a friend or a family member that I'm maybe not so close with the person who passed, Uh but seeing the person I care about crying and that's what I am just torn apart. Like that is so hard for me to be in those situations because I am literally ugly crying Yeah, and it's like maybe not even for the person that passed, which is... Sad but you're say, also but it's, sad for the people who do yes. love that person because you can empathize with their situation. So, but it's like that; those emotions are harder for me to handle. Like watching that person handle the death of their loved one right. is really hard to watch. Yeah, that's why I'm crying at a funeral. Really, is the other people? You know, right? My husband's always like, "Why are you crying?" <laughs> like, all, no, I don't know. I don't mean it just funerals, but like, like in general, right? In general, like I had a friend, she passed away from cancer and she's actually younger than, than us. My friend was visual, like she was so upset about it and I was just crying with her and he's like, I didn't realize you were that close to her. I'm like, I wasn't, I'm just upset. Like for my friend who's upset, like the whole situation is upsetting. Like she's too young to die of cancer. Like she has little kids. Like this is a terrible, like upsetting situation. I am upset. Like I, I wasn't that good of a friend with her personally, but. It's still upsetting in every way. Like the situation is terrible. So I feel I feel like that's where Beth had couldn't handle that. Yeah, I was really struggling with that. So yeah, so the conversation with you has really helped. So that's good. Yeah, and then Rip's not never too far away. There he is. Oh, yeah. I like when she said that. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, "You're just never too far away, are you?" He's like, "No, I'm always here." Right. Like a bad penny. I'm always here. Always gonna turn Mm. up. I was thinking kind of like a superhero, but... You oh, know. yeah. No, that's good. Because he is. He's basically indestructible. We've, we've yeah. now come to have confirmation of this. What is it that end of the movie where they're all like, you you don't know, you don't see that they're here, but they're always here watching you. Or, I don't know. That's how they always end those superhero movies. Like Right. Like, I'm always, you know, I'm always with you. I'm always watching. I'm right? always watching over you. So, that's Rip. And that's the end. Oh my gosh. Like it was exhausting. It was exhausting. It was exhilarating and it was emotionally yeah. a roller coaster. John breaking down, I also feel just to circle back that for just one other point, mm-hmm. is yeah. that you touched on something also that just kind of made me spur of that thought. Is that there's so many things about him that are unlikable. Yeah. They needed to do something like this in order to remind us that he's human. Yeah. You know, to make us like, this is why we like you, because at your core, it is about your family and you do love right. them unconditionally, even if you do have problems with, you know, Jamie and sometimes with Casey and problems with Beth and you have to break your coffee cup in order to make your point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, right. you know, I, 
I feel like with Tate, and, and I'm going to circle back to the conversation too with his um, his dad at the very beginning, you know, where he's talking about, you know, this you're doing this for your family, like don't let them take it from you. And he's reminiscing about the things and he talks about if I could do it all over again, like I would do it to see like the joy in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like the moment that John needed to like have in order to reflect. So if it was a memory or if it was just well-placed, but it happened to John. So at some point we've been talking all along that Tate is like the glimmer in John's eye. Yeah. So the fact that Tate was threatened also shows this other side of John that has been tapped into more so this season than last season that I, I like the changes that we've seen in him mm-hmm. and the fact that that they they had him do this was was very important to show yeah. how important his family is to him and this is really why he's going through all of this shit day after day right and it just sets us up for season three where he knows now that his priority is tate he needs to like invest like that's where my prediction for season three goes is that he's going to invest in tate mm-hmm. because tate's going to be screwed up from this for a really long time and there's just so much that needs to be done in order to get him to back to where he was maybe maybe leave some of the the day-to-day stuff to rip who's now a beneficiary of the trust (laughs) and to casey right to yeah because he even says to malcolm at one point you know i've got maybe 10 good working years left yeah he knows but that would be like my prediction for season three that he he takes the time to invest more in tate I think so. At least and in his family too, like in general. So the only thing is they didn't touch rainwater. I guess rainwater sort of made made good by helping John out here, but I guess enemies by Monday, does this mean he helped him and now they're, but he's still there building a casino? So is that still our nemesis for next season? Or are we friends with rainwater now? You know? Um, I think they're still going to be enemies because they still I have competing priorities. And I just don't see how there's going to be a reconciliation if the Duttons are on the same land that rainwater is coveting, right? To, yeah. to use the term from the last episode. But I think that they are, they're going to operate with each other with a better understanding. Yeah. There's there's a level of respect there now. I think so, yeah. Um, but no, they're still going to they're still going to be oh, at, yeah. at war with each other. I'm glad they didn't touch rainwater though, the Bex. I'm glad they didn't get to him. Right. And John did the right thing. He said, you know, stay on the reservation. Like you you need to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, but then rainwater sends his most trusted advisor. Like the fact that he sent Mo mm-hmm. to me it signaled that that's where that like that statement of respect came from that he sent Mo his most trusted everything his driver his you know counsel his bodyguard everything and then but also Mo is going to be diligent and relay back the level of force with which Tate was rescued with right it's a a double-edged sword like you know Mm -hmm. if if you're sent out to you know do something good for your boss but like you know tell me also what they're doing you know you know that's that's, true talking out the same side of your mouth right yeah that's true so i think that was also part like reconnaissance on rainwater's part like i feel like rainwater is smarter than we've Mm -hmm. even seen or give him credit for i always go back to season one when john had him jailed yeah and he tells john in the jail like my plan is to take your land and i figure it's yeah. going to take about 14 billion dollars i have come back to that so many times i'm like he's got a bigger plan than oh, we're yeah. even aware of and we don't know all the steps that he's doing so i feel like he's the most calculating of all of them yeah. um, even more so than john to a certain extent but he does it in such a polished kind of a way that you like you don't even notice like you're being stabbed in the back that's true (laughs) like dan was sitting there as the man took his land from so distinguished about it yes exactly yeah they're in armani suit or something like that yeah (laughs) this is so much fun i'm i'm sad that now we have to wait until june for the next season but um i'm -hmm. seeing like little tidbits coming out of production and you know there was a picture of a clinic and a picture of a hospital so you know um, there's uh there's lots of things that are afoot with the duttons that i'm just excited that i'm just like okay it's only three more months we're in march now yeah so if you're following along on our podcast with our seasons this is what we were calling a rewind because we sheila and i have actually already recorded all of season three episodes so you can just continue listening while we take a break right so season three will is available and will be available 
and I believe that it's going to be re-released so that you're basically going to have one episode of Yellowstone all the way leading up to the, the, se- the season premiere of four. season four, which is around in Father's June. Day in June. I don't ex- exactly have off the top of my head the premiere day, but I, yeah. as far as I know, they're still on schedule. I think so, Even yeah. with all the production delays and things like that. So I believe that it, if I'm looking at my calendar now, I would have to predict if they're keeping to uh, Sunday. Is that what they did? Mm-hmm. June 20th. Yep. I would Sunday. say somewhere in the week of June 20th, we're going to have a, we'll a new episode of Yellowstone. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So you guys keep listening to season three episodes of our podcast, and then we will catch up with you sort of real time in season four. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I know. Cannot wait. Check out any of our other podcasts from Pod Clubhouse. There's lots of different TV shows. Like I said, continue listening to the Yellowstone season three. Lots of amazing things happening in that season. Oh, it's amazing season. And at that podcasting, that was so much fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Literally. So I am excited for them for Pod Clubhouse to keep releasing those episodes so we can keep listening. And then by the time we get to season four, we are going to be like, I know. I feel like we need in. to do like a, a like a a recap of season three yes. like with all of the hindsight of all the things we couldn't say in season one and season two because we were really keeping it to like a, a pristine rewind and not yeah. alluding to things that happened in the future so like we did a really i think we did a really diligent job in making sure that we didn't do any spoilers so because we, we don't, I want, do to, too, we don't yeah. want to spoil it for anybody and um we're just excited for everybody along for the ride with us keep leaving us comments keep leaving us like likes on on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, everywhere that Pod Clubhouse is, uh, they can be found on all those social media platforms at Pod Clubhouse. Um, we have a Yellowstone Tunes playlist on Spotify to keep you yep. company that we curate ourselves. And I keep adding to it. Like, I'm still yes. adding to it um, regularly. It's, it shows, it's um, rather songs from the show directly. Mm-hmm. And also songs that we like that we think that go along with the vibe and the mood of Yellowstone. And also, we didn't even mention. Did you notice the end of the song, the the end credit song? Yeah, it was sung by it was Ryan, Ryan Bingham. Ryan Bingham again, right? So Walker. Yes. So we got a little a little throwback to Walker. Yeah. And then also, if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast from to rate, review, and subscribe. This way, as those new episodes keep coming out, you will get a notification in your podcast platform that you have a new a new podcast episode for you to enjoy and if you could give us a five-star rating that would help greatly in other people finding the show to get as much enjoyment out of it as you do thank you guys for listening this is steph this is sheila thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.